0: To American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back. Okay. Let me get into it here. First of all, I want to make a few corrections from the last episode specifically regarding the um GoFundMe's that I had linked at the bottom in the description. They're not even well, they're kind of corrections, but they're updates, I should call them. First of all. Unfortunately, the Jonathan Zhao 16-year-old teenager has passed away. That didn't take very long. Um, Passed away on March 31st. In fact, A.J. Gochik sent me an update, and that update also exists on his GoFundMe that, again, I linked in the description below. This is happening constantly, ladies and gentlemen. GoFundMe's or not. This is something that is happening constantly. And uh, it's happening all across the world. And the parents, unfortunately, knew that this was jab related. And yet they went through with it anyway r- regarding giving him the jabs. And uh, again, the, you know, it, as sad as this is, and it is sad, the. Failure to ask questions, the failure to be curious, and the unwillingness for people to doubt government is the problem here. And we're not going to learn if we don't start doing those things. People need to not trust government, people need to not trust the medical industry. You would think after all of this time, people would be awake to that. And unfortunately, that's still not the case there are so many people who are still dead asleep on a variety of issues that, uh, you know, they give themselves away with their actions, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, no, no one deserves this, and deserve is certainly the wrong word. You know, this is a child who, again, parents fell for it, he fell for it, the, the area where they live fell for it, so on and so forth. But, Remarkably unfortunate, but it is happening on a constant basis. So I wanted to bring you that update. Here's another one Scott Walton, the uh, childhood neighbor slash friend of mine, long time ago, uh, as it turns out, he was not jabbed as the airline pilot for this medevac airliner, which apparently is based out of Switzerland. At least they're the ones that make the planes. There were four other people on board that plane. There were no survivors, and my mother uh, used to be friends with Scott's mom also because, of course, they were neighbors. And, uh, and they got in touch with each other and talked about all the specifics of what had apparently occurred. When Scott was flying in this plane, and it wasn't the best weather, but he had apparently done it before, it was just straight up a malfunction of the actual plane. The wing, apparently to his left, started to fall apart mid-flight, as did the rear rudder. I think that's what you call that part of the plane. Anyway, that started to fall apart as well also, and apparently it only took uh, one minute for them to go from 19,000 feet in the air down to the ground. So I just wanted to bring the update that... uh, that he was not jabbed in fact he was very anti jab as was his wife and children and his children are apparently attending a catholic academy in michigan so they're receiving i'm sure plenty of guidance and and a lot of help hopefully the right kind of guidance and the right kind of help but uh in any case i wanted to bring those those two updates to you okay moving on here Nashville. It doesn't stop. Ladies and gentlemen, it just does not stop. I wanted to revisit this for a couple of reasons, because as we all know, with every passing day, more and more waves of nonsense just keep crashing into the shore, and it just exposes more and more people. I think the overarching problem, before I get into a few specifics here regarding what we actually saw in the in the video footage, because again the cop's body cam gives gives up the goose without a doubt the overarching problem is is that we're continuing to see who's not awake and it's many many people i mean they're holding concerts for god's sakes for for these so-called dead kids which i don't believe are dead cuz again i don't think this happened um This entire scenario is just exposing people who are blindly following one side or another, not knowing that the middle way is is the truth, that somewhere in the middle is the truth. And it's not just in between those two points, it's higher up. It's at a higher level of thinking. And there still aren't enough people thinking about it from that dimension, which is a, a very serious problem. You know, you see a lot of people taking these giant pictures with uh, musicians, you know, in downtown Nashville. And they're like, we had a concert to support the kids who lost their lives in that school shooting and blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I and I can't for the life of me figure out why people won't go to that dimension of thinking, why, why they actually believe everything that their eyes tell them. You'd think they'd learn from 9-11. You'd think they learned from many, many things, but they're not learning. They, they just aren't learning. There is no spoon. Again, it's the scene in The Matrix where he's holding onto the spoon, and the kid looks at him, and he says, How do you bend it? And he says, It's not that I'm bending it. He says, I know that it's not there. And you have to get to, the, to that particular wavelength. Because until people do, I'm sorry, you're part of the problem. You're you're perpetuating the larger problem. So, let me get to this. Because I revisited the body cam footage from the police officer. And now YouTube has put an age restriction on the video, which is interesting. Not that it matters necessarily, but anybody can log in and see the video for themselves. The moment that the guy, the police officer, the guy, the police officer gets out of the automobile, I found it strange that he starts to walk past the woman who is looking at either her phone or she's looking at something. And she says, again, everybody's accounted for except for two students. And he says, okay, thanks, ma'am. And he keeps walking down the sidewalk in front of the building. To then only get about halfway in between the two front doors, there's one further down the sidewalk where he was walking, and then the one that he went in, which was behind him. He then turns around, and he starts walking back toward the woman. Now, why would he be walking down the sidewalk to begin with? I mean, he's standing right there. She points directly to where she thinks that the shooter is. She says the second floor. They're all locked down in the second floor, and You know, that's where, whatever. And then you see him, he walks through the bushes kind of to the side of the front door where there's a man standing there. And that's the man who hands him a set of keys or a key. And then he sticks the key in the door and he unlocks the door to then enter the door. Here's the interesting part again from an observation standpoint clearly, but also as an ex-school employee. In re-examining the doors, to me, based on what I was seeing, there were no key fob electric entry points. Normally, there would, if there was a key fob entry to these doors, in particular that front door, they would have both an electric pad for a key fob, but also a lock on the door I didn't see any electric key fob. I I didn't see one. I didn't see a pad. So, the cop grabs the key from the guy, and we don't know who the guy is, but he unlocks the door, and then he opens the door, which begs the question, why was the door locked, and why would you need a key to get in? Because, The glass had already been shot out on another door on the other side of the building where this person allegedly entered, and the sirens were already going off. I mean, the entire fire alarm system was already going off. It was going off as the cop was driving up to the scene. So, do the doors automatically lock themselves when the fire alarm goes off? That would seem next to impossible, because why would that be the case? If there were a fire, for example, in the building, and the fire alarms went off, there would be no need for that to trip some kind of a security system to lock all of the doors and lock everybody in, or lock people out from getting in because wouldn't you want firefighters for example in the scene of a of an actual fire to have access to the to unlock doors I would think you would you would want them to bring in a hose and you know put out a fire and certainly enter with some kind of speed without having to say hey give me a key so I can unlock the door it doesn't make any sense which means why would these employees, let's say, for example, there's no automatic lock on those doors when you pull the fire alarm, why on earth would those employees lock themselves out of their own building? What good would that do? What good would that do to them? What good would that do to any students on the inside who were locked down? And how would that protect them? From any so called shooter that's inside of the building by locking yourself on the outside of your building. Anybody on the inside can walk right through those doors. They can just push the doors open, hit that little metal bar, you know, that goes across the center of the doors and open the doors. So you can't lock a person in, but you can lock a person out. Why would they lock themselves outside of the building? It makes zero sense. Which actually brings me to this now, because Melissa Joan Hart, ladies and gentlemen, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, this horrible actress continues to expose this entire lie with her participation. And it blows me away. You would think that they wouldn't want to risk this ever again. Because, like I said with Uvalde, they did a horrible job with the parents by recruiting these pathological, lying parents who are all paid to be in on it. And now, and of course, they rolled out Matthew McConaughey, which was arguably one of the worst acting jobs I've ever seen in my entire life. But Melissa Joan Hart takes the cake. She was on this show called News Nation. And you can look this up on YouTube. It's a six minute and 50 second breakdown of her lying about her involvement in this entire thing. And in it, she talks about going across a five lane highway in order to, with her husband, in order to help bring kids from the woods out. And then reunite them with their family, and she saw a bunch of them all locking arms, quote-unquote, just like Sandy Hook, because she claims she used to live around there. Um, And she even has her own YouTube channel, where she's on this other person's show, apparently, talking about it. uh, Titled, What Women Binge? And it's titled, Nashville and Morning Plus Your Listener Questions. But again, when she's on this News Nation show, she's doing that sobbing, fake crying thing, and there's not a single tear. Her eyes aren't red. She's not crying. She's just doing that, you know, I'm gasping for air, but I'm really crying. I'm upset kind of thing. Who is she fooling? She's not fooling us, so I don't know who in the hell she thinks she's fooling. Um, it It just blows me away. But again, There's a listener of Jesse James's podcast who lives in the Nashville area. They live in Nashville. And they were communicating with Jesse and myself, and I posed the question. I said, is there a five-lane highway that's there? Because I looked it up on Google Maps, and it doesn't look like any five-lane highway. And the answer is no, there's not a five-lane highway there. There, There's a, a... two lanes in one direction two lanes in another and then there's a turn lane for just a small portion she even sent me a video of the entrance to the to the actual campus itself and there were some people standing there putting flowers on the on the sign of the school where the address 33 is located and so on and so forth but there's no five lane highway the point is this that that to the side for a minute, Melissa Joan Hart is lying. She's lying. And she's lying also based on school procedure. You see, because this is the thing that continues to bite these people. She's claiming that she helped parents reunite with their children who were inside of the building. The Covenant Presbyterian School for the Kids or whatever. Okay? That's not true because all of those kids were on lockdown. And then the story that they told was they were ushered into buses, taken to a different location, and then reunited with their parents. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're moving minors in a school from point A to point B, you don't let them wander off. That doesn't happen. No one wanders off. Not to mention, we're talking about approximately 200 students. They're not wandering off. They're monitored. Everybody knows where they are. They're all accounted for. The, the teacher who's responsible for their students stays with their students. They all stand in a line. You know, we've done all of these things. Those of us who grew up in these school environments, we know, we know what the what the policy and procedure is, and we know what it looks like. You know, crazy Eddie's not running off into the woods with five or six other students to then be picked up by Melissa Joan Hart out of the woods with her husband and reunited with their parents. None of that happened. Those students, if they were even there, which I doubt they were, they never even left the campus. They never even left. They probably didn't even leave the building because there was footage of parents showing up to the building, and picking up their kids. Now, when was that footage taken? I have no idea. See, that alone also not only blows apart Melissa Joan Hart's story, but it blows apart the story where they said that they ushered all these kids into buses, bussed them somewhere else, and then the parents came and picked them up in an alternative location. That didn't happen either. So everyone's lying now. Everybody's lying. And they're rolling out this irrelevant actress who happens to live 16 minutes from the building, and they're claiming that she's telling the truth. I'm sorry. it, It can't possibly get more fake. It just can't. Because again, in a situation like that, students don't leave the campus. They're on campus. That's it. At Sandy Hook, all they did was run them around in a circle. They took them inside of the firehouse across the street, and then they ran them through the parking lot again. And they were just doing this drill where they were just running them around in circles and in circles. They didn't do that this time. There was footage of them holding hands again, just like Sandy Hook, and then walking towards school buses. But there's no footage of them getting on the school buses. There's no footage of them getting off of school buses. There's no footage of the buses leaving with students on them. It didn't happen. And it just continues to disgust me, the number of people who actually think that this happened, and they're fundraising off of it, and they're, you know, they're saying, well, we're having a Christian fundraiser for these kids. And again, these are, these are people with huge audiences, very large audiences, but they aren't awake all it's doing is showing how many people are still dead asleep, and if they're dead asleep on this, God help them because they're dead asleep on a thousand other things. I also wanted to mention this too because I, I brought this up earlier last week when, of course, all of this was going down. Wait, I said, wait for the church response. The church response is going to be a brain-dead, not-awake response. That's what's going to happen here, and that's exactly what happened. So, I have two posts from two churches. Here's one. This is from Father Ryan High School. And uh let's see, which is located at 700 Norwood Drive in Nashville, Tennessee. This is a message from their president. It says, "Quote: Dear Father Ryan families, since Monday night, Father Ryan's leadership team has prioritized proactive security measures." As we work toward a long-term solution, as always, we continue to evaluate our security measures to prioritize the safety of our students, faculty and staff. Starting today, an officer will be present on campus. There is no threat to our school or community. This is a proactive decision to make our campuses more our campus, rather, more secure and help alleviate any concerns. We continue to pray for the Covenant School community during this difficult time. Sincerely, Paul Davis, 81, Father Ryan President. Unquote. It's pathetic. Every school has a procedure. All they had to do was follow it. But nothing was followed in this. Which means it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And when they do things like this... All that again, there's nothing proactive about what they're doing. Everything they're doing is reactive. I mean, these people are so retarded, they don't even know the definitions of words. They don't know the difference between the word proactive and reactive. They use them incessantly. They love using these words in the education business. They love it. I mean, they use them constantly. We're always proactive. You're never proactive. And this didn't happen. So (laughs) again, Wrap your head around that one. Again, when they say we're being proactive, they're taking a stance on a thing that doesn't exist. They're over on one side of the equation, believing it happened, and then they think that they're somehow rising above that. Wrong. The answer is in the middle, and you're even on the wrong dimension. You're on the wrong floor. You're on the wrong wavelength. Here's another one. Again, super bizarre, these people, but, you know, they're churches. They take orders. That's how they all operate. They they just take orders. Uh, let's see. This is from the governor, and this is equally as stupid. In fact, this is written by Randy McNally, the lieutenant governor, speaker of the Senate in Tennessee. And he's writing this to Governor Lee, Bill Lee. He says, and this was March 29th. Dear Governor Lee, like you, I was deeply affected by the attack on the Covenant School earlier this week, while much of my time has been spent in reflection and prayer about the horrific events. I have always thought deeply about what policies the state could adopt to prevent such events in the future. It didn't happen. He continued with this lie while these changes would come with a cost see. Cha-ching it's all about the money i believe it's important for us to have a conversation about how to increase and modernize security at schools in tennessee and here we go more evidence ladies and gentlemen that you need to pull your children out because they are operating on the basis of lies and they're building these walls of lies around your children it's as much like the institution of fire codes has decreased the amount of school building fires. I believe we can come up with something similar for school safety. Honest to God. Honestly, this is just pathetic. It says, number one, here we go, there's a list. He's got a four-point list. Number one, securing windows and glass in school buildings. It says, as you know, the perpetrator in the most recent school shooting shot out the glass of the school's doors to gain entry. My understanding is that there is a film that can be affixed to the windows and doors in schools that would be bulletproof or resistant. Bulletproof glass, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they want. Number two, magnetic locks on doors. Keyed locks can cause delays in police response in an emergency. Magnetic locks, however, can be critical in keeping shooters out while allowing police and first responders speedier access in a crisis yes and no first of all again this didn't happen but as i said earlier when the cop took the key from the guy who was standing next to the front door to unlock the door it didn't take him any faster it didn't i mean it wasn't any slower or faster if if he was using a key or an electronic key fob it didn't it didn't matter one way or another. The problem with that footage is why was the door locked? Because you would have to lock the door from the outside. <laughs> Which again, why would the why would the school employees lock themselves out of their own building? <laughs> they wouldn't. In particular, if quote unquote first responders were showing up. See? Didn't happen. Makes no sense, because it didn't happen. Number three, centralized and modernized camera systems. Outfitting schools with the latest security camera systems can also assist in response to these incidents. If police can get immediate access to these systems, they can quickly identify the location of the perpetrator and can work even faster to eliminate the threat and keep children safe. Honestly, this is just this is next level dumb. So you want them to have an app on an iPhone or an app on a tablet that allows them to see exactly where an alleged shooter might be inside of a building. Ugh, oh, wow. Wow. I I I'll, I'll tell you this. I hadn't thought about this before. I in fact it's just hit it's just hit me. It is quite possible that the footage that was released of the quote-unquote shooter, okay, that this was released to show others how to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's been brought up. I'm not the only person to have said that, but it's showing people, look, you can you can shoot through the glass. You can crawl in. You can even shoot through the glass, reach around with your hand hit that, you know, hit the metal thing on the door from the inside, open up the door then from the outside and walk right in. That you can do that. So it's quite possible that part of the Masonic playbook here for this fake shooting was to actually carry out a real one at the hands of a real psycho in order to do something like this, but basically say, hey, look, don't let the doors get in your way. You can clearly shoot through them. I mean, that's... That's highly probable. But number four, armed guards. While we have made great progress in making sure our public schools have access to school resource officers, I believe we can do more. Of course you do. Reports indicate that the shooter at Covenant chose the school because of its minimal security. How do you know that? How do you know that? Reports indicate. It was fake. So they're just making this up as they go along, all these alleged motives. If we can ensure that all schools, public and private, have armed guards, we may be able to cut down on these events significantly. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Randy McNally, the lieutenant governor and speaker of the Senate, wants armed guards at every school. He's a psycho. He's a psycho. These are just a few ideas, he says, I wanted to bring to your attention as we formulate a comprehensive response to this incident. I am sure you and your team have many ideas as well. I look forward, as always, to working with you to keep our citizens safe. Sincerely, Randy McNally. Any carbon copied... Speaker Cameron Sexton, and then one, two, three, four, five senators. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. Government, churches, ladies and gentlemen, you see, they're not on our side because they don't know what's going on, or they do, and they're lying about it. It's one of the two. They're either so dumb they think it happened, or they know it happened, and they're going to try to profit from it and look like they're the hero. Again, problem, action, solution. Problem, reaction, solution. The whole thing's coordinated. They know exactly what they're doing. I hate these people. I absolutely detest them. They are the worst of the worst. Alright, that's enough about Nashville for now. Unless somebody else gets stupid and, you know, comes up with something else. And comes out with another another dumb post about something. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. The Trump indictment. Ladies and gentlemen, this can't get more obvious. He's doing this on purpose. Donald Trump's doing this on purpose because it's the boomerang of all boomerangs. Uh, It'll blow up in all the bad guys' face. They know it. It creates a precedent. And and again, I, I continue to be shocked as to how many people aren't considering this dimension of thinking, but You have to understand that there's probably white hats behind the scenes in that DA's office coordinating this entire thing for the purpose of making it look like Donald Trump is really being indicted with something. Because ultimately, again, what is this being done for? What's What's the real reason behind all of this? I think the real reason, and I'm not the only one that thinks this way, the real reason is to normalize this among the brainwashed and the normies so when the real bad guys get arrested and locked up, that can be as public as humanly possible. And then we can take all their tweets and all their social media posts where they said, nobody's above the law. Any politician should be prosecuted no matter who they are. Nobody's above the law. The law's for everybody, blah, blah, blah. All of those posts will be thrown right back in their face. They'll scream bloody murder. And that's exactly what will happen. They're setting this up for the real bad guys to be rolled out in front of the public eye in chains. And that's going to take place. Is that going to happen this year? I don't know. Is that going to happen next year? Is that going to happen after Donald Trump wins again for the third time? Probably. It's going to happen somewhere between now. And January twentieth or twenty first of twenty twenty five that that has to happen if they don't kill themselves or try to escape uh in the in the process I don't think there's any escaping. I don't think that the Barack Obamas of the world and the Hillary Clintons of the world are going to be able to escape but yeah I think they're I think they're finished. And I just it just continues to make me laugh that people aren't picking that up. It's such an easy, well, I think it's an easy avenue to consider, because we've been told this for quite some time. Why on earth would the White Hats serve up Donald Trump like this if there wasn't a plan behind it? And as I said on Gab, this is Sun Tzu. All of this is the art of war. And let me read that quote very quickly from General Sun Tzu. It says, Be extremely subtle, even to the point of formlessness. Be extremely mysterious, even to the point of soundlessness. Thereby, you can be the director of the opponent's fate. Among countless other quotes, among countless other philosophies in the art of war, this is it. This is all being played out exactly as we thought it would for a very long time. You hear the phrase, patriots are in control. They certainly are. I just continue to be disappointed, again, that these so-called awake people who can see that can't see the Nashville thing for what it is, but who knows? They're they're too busy tugging on their heartstrings and thinking that, oh, kids are involved, so it must be you know, it must be real. Excuse me. It's not. It's just not. But this is far more, uh, I don't know, this is more digestible for a lot of people. But again, unfortunately, a lot of people can't see that either. So Donald Trump's fine. He's 100% fine. He's totally protected. He's totally insulated. There's no way they would drag him out for the risk of being shot on Tuesday or anything like that. Not to mention he doesn't even have to turn himself in. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be arraigned. There don't have to be fingerprints or uh, a mugshot of any kind. N- none of that has to happen. It's in New York. It's a misdemeanor. They're trying to claim felonies, but we know that's not true. Because again, who's really behind the scenes orchestrating this whole thing? Who is it really? In fact, let me read this. This is a post making the rounds the other day and I stuck it up on my gab page it says the following. It says, from and including, Saturday, October 28th, 2017, to, but not including, Tuesday, April 4th of 2023, the result is 1,984 days, or 1984. It is 1984 days from the start of, date to the end date but not including the end date or 5 years 5 months 7 days excluding the end date or 65 months 7 days including the end date from Q's appearance with their first post to Trump's arrest 1984 days after 1984 what are the odds of that we're watching a movie there is no doubt about it. We are watching a script. And here's another one. This was on greatawakening.win. I want to read this very quickly. It was titled, As a Christian, I Cannot Unsee the Parallels of Trump's Persecution with Holy Week. Quote, next week is Holy Week. Christ was arrested and tried and hung on a cross, but he rose again three days after his death. Christ was the sacrificial lamb for our eternal salvation. Supposedly, Trump has been indicted. It just came out that he will be arraigned next week. He will most likely have a mugshot taken along with fingerprints, etc. He's being scorned by the globalists, and they are hoping to remove him from running for POTUS. Trump is taking the slings and arrows for all of us to save us from the deep state plans for us, so he has become the sacrificial lamb in order to save us from all of those plans. Trump will not die, but he will rise again, most likely not even having to stand trial or because he gets off, and he will win the presidential election in 2024, thereby saving us from the deep state plans of a new world order. It will be biblical, He's not Jesus Christ. But the parallels are being done on purpose to help wake people up so that they can see these comparisons and maybe understand that the good guys are in fact in control here. Again, there are no coincidences, okay? This is being done by the grace of God clearly, but it's also being done and coordinated by the good guys who are in charge. I don't think it can get more obvious. But it's being designed, again, to wake people up who are dead asleep. So it'll be an interesting Easter Sunday. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Easter Sunday next week. Okay. Along with, of course, Tuesday. I mean, people will be paying attention. People will be watching. And it's the media response that I think is the funniest part. That's that's the most entertaining part for those of us who are awake. Yes, it's depressing, but we have to understand that these people are the enemy. And they're sensationalists, and they want whatever they can get, and uh, they're in it for ratings, they're not in it for the truth, and so on and so forth. So, there you go. Uh, Let's see. A couple other things here before I get into education. There's this one. This was making the rounds last week, too. This is from Big League Politics. Senator Rand Paul blocks Senator Josh Hawley's bill to ban TikTok on First Amendment grounds. Excellent. Now I, I got to tell you this. I said this a long time ago. I I don't like politicians. I'm not even a huge fan of Rand Paul. There are some things that he does. He's a little too soft uh, for my taste. But when it comes to the Constitution, he he can pretty much see it as it uh, basically as it's written. Josh Hawley, on the other hand, I've never liked him. I've never liked him. Came out of nowhere, showed up in in Missouri and. uh all of a sudden was on the scene, allegedly started to hold people accountable. But again, all the TikTok stuff, it's never been about it being a Chinese spy agency. Your IP address is a Chinese spy agency. Uh, we're, we're constantly being monitored and spied on. I, I really don't care. I, d- I don't care. They want TikTok gone and VPNs gone because people are waking up to the truth about government. Secret societies, false flags, etc., etc., etc. They're waking up to all of that. In particular, the younger generations. Yes, there are brainwashed people, as I've said, who jump in bathtubs full of Fruit Loops and they think that that's a cool TikTok video, and and dummies who dance on TikTok videos and whatever. There's so much content that's being spread to these platforms, that's leading people to the truth about government control and all of it, that that's really why they want it gone. And it, it really is that simple. It's being hidden under the guise of, oh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a threat to our national security, and that's exactly why we have to get rid of it. That's not, that's not the reason. They don't want people using the internet the way that it was initially built, when it used to be fun. And you could bounce around easily and and find a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, they they want to crack down on that as much as humanly possible. So, there you go. Okay. This story leads me to what's going to happen uh, for Tuesday's episode. And this is going to be interesting. So, on Monday, I'm going to be recording a phone call, and it's going to be a video phone call. So this is going to be sort of a a one-off, separate from all the other episodes that I typically have on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and this will end up airing on Tuesday. So make sure and check out my BitChute and Rumble channel because that's where this will air. There's a listener of the show by the name of Josiah Richwine. And he lives in Florida and he's a professional photographer. In fact, he's the one who got me in touch with Kevin Sorbo's wife, uh, Samantha Sorbo, a while back. And Josiah and I have been talking back and forth over email, like I talk with a lot of listeners of the show. And thank you for emailing, by the way. I, in fact, I want to read one from uh, from one listener a little bit later. But um, he, he got a hold of me and he said, I'm on my way to East Palestine uh, to take some drone footage and some photographs and, and talk with some people. Uh, I'd like to share it with you if you're interested. And I said, absolutely. And he ended up making his way there and, and doing what he was doing. And then he came up toward the Bowling Green, Toledo area of Ohio. And then he contacted me and said, want to get a bite to eat? I'm, I'm heading through Oxford on my way to Nashville. And I said, yeah, sure. So we went, we went out and, and got a bite to eat real quick and he started showing me this footage and i immediately said you got to come on and i said and here's what we'll do i'll play the footage and i'll have you over the phone describing what it is that that we're watching and then you can talk over the footage as you're looking at the footage yourself on your end and he said absolutely that that would be great and there's a lot of problems uh going on there in east palestine and this is this is one of them so um First of all, again, that will be Tuesday's episode, sort of a bonus Tuesday episode, but that will only be on Rumble and BitChute, so make sure and check that out. But this is again from CBS, and it's titled, CDC Teams Studying Health Impacts of East East Palestine Train Derailment Fell Ill During Investigation. No kidding. No kidding. Says seven U.S. government investigators briefly fell ill in early March while studying the possible health impacts of the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said they included sore throats, headaches, coughing, and nausea, consistent with some of what the residents in Ohio and across the border in Pennsylvania experienced after the February 3rd train derailment. That released a cocktail of hazardous chemicals into the air, water, and soil. So there you go. Again, Josiah is gonna—he's uh, gonna be talking over the drone footage he took, which is actually really incredible. And he's gonna highlight particular points, and then highlight some of the conversations that he had with people. So again, make sure and check that out, and that will be again on my Rumble and Bitshoot channel on Tuesday. Tuesday morning, I'll put that out. Okay. With that said, let me get into this education stuff here. First of all, this right here, I want to start with this. This is something that's happening locally in a neighboring school district, not the one where I live, but a neighboring one, which I've referenced in the past before. But this is a playbook as to exactly what happens when schools become insolvent. You heard me say previously regarding the the local school district where, where I live that they openly claimed, because they're dummies and that's what they would do, they openly claimed that they were going to go to the state to ask for assistance as school board members about what they can do to save money and how they can receive help from the state. And as you heard me say, when you're a school district and you're insolvent and you're dummies, and you go to the state asking for help, the state will give you the middle finger. They will quite literally take all of the programs, all of the positions that you employ people for, and they'll look at all those lists of money and they'll request it. And these school board members, of course, are dumb enough to hand them over. And they'll hand them over. And then the the state will look at them and they will immediately start taking a meat cleaver and a machete to all of the programs. They'll say, cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. Fire this person. You don't need them. Fire this person. You don't need that program or that or, or those people that run that program. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. There's your money saving. And then what happens, and this is the manipulative part, which people have got to understand this. School districts do this because they want to pass the buck, so to speak, or push the blame on the state as to telling them as school board members what they were told to do by the state. So the school board members will say, it wasn't us. This wasn't our fault. It's not our decision. We didn't want to do this. The state told us we have to do this. Do you see the blame game that gets played in the field of education with such, uh, I guess, such a casual nature and with such regularity? And the dummies at the local level, the parents who send their children, and, and again, no offense, but you, you know the, the, the people that are unsuspecting that there's corruption and that there's manipulative behavior within these lines of work, they have no idea that they're being played. They have no idea they're being lied to and manipulated. They don't have a clue. Many of them have no clue. And you've heard me play their screeching voices on this show before from school board meetings. They have no idea. So this way, when the school board members run again for the positions that they hold, which they typically do, if they don't just run away in a fit of failure because they've basically failed everybody because they don't know what the responsibilities of their own job is, they end up basically telling the voters or their future voters, hey, look, I did all I could do. The only reason that these things were cut was because the state told us to. It wasn't our fault it was the state. And then, of course, they do the one thing too, which they always do, is they promise to bring back the programs. And they promise to bring back the positions when the money ends up being more available to them. And they always say that too is some kind of a selling point. Vote for me and we'll bring it back. When in, when in fact, it was they that were responsible for creating the scenario that caused the positions and the programs to go away. Now, anybody with a brain in their skull knows that the vast majority of programs, policies, procedures, and the people that are hired to carry those out and facilitate all of those things, that they don't need to exist anyway. Because 20 years ago, they didn't exist. 30 years ago, they didn't exist. 40 years ago, they didn't exist. 50 years ago, they didn't exist, and so on and so on, but they've brainwashed everybody into believing that now they have to exist. You have to have diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have to have social emotional learning. You have to have critical theories. You have to have STEM programs. No, you don't. Not only no, you don't, but no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have any of these programs. It wastes everyone's time, money, effort, and it pulls people away from having an opportunity to learn about the truth. And when people talk about getting back to the basics, this is what we're talking about. So let me read this article because, again, it is a blueprint of what is happening nationwide in our country regarding these school districts that are insolvent. This is, this is the title. State recommends Ross schools, Ross, Ohio, right down the highway, uh, make cuts to jobs and student programs. So what has happened is the Ross administration, as I'll read here, is up against their th- what will be their third attempted school levy. The other two previously failed, and with each school levy that they keep proposing because they're insolvent, they keep raising the amount of property taxes that all the property owners would have to pay if this passes. This should not pass. It will not pass. And they need to cut all of their programs because these people are the worst. And they're proving to everybody that they're the worst with their actions. So here's what it says. It says a just-released state audit of Ross School's finances recommends various budget cuts in personnel and programs for the struggling district to return to solvency if its May tax hike fails at the ballot. And it will, which means they're going to be real busy over the summer cutting people and programs, because they should. All of these places should become insolvent. All of them. It says the performance audit, quote unquote, which was requested last fall by Ross officials was released this week and it prevents some of the major financial reductions the district plans to share with the public later this month during a school board meeting. Ross voters will soon be deciding on a proposed five year, $9.44 million emergency property tax increase, which is on the May 2nd ballot. If approved, the new tax would increase the annual school tax for the owner of a $100,000 property by $330. If it's a $200,000 property, your property taxes go up $660. If it's a 300 dollars so on and so on and so on. You see the math here, $990,000. They don't want to pay that. Because no red-blooded American with a brain in their skull likes taxes. <laughs> Again, the people who vote for taxes. Yes, government tax me, please. Where do, I, where do I get to fill in the Scantron sheet or press the electronic button on the voting machine to steal money from me? To then be paid into something that doesn't need to exist. No one with a brain does that. No one only dummies vote for higher taxes. That right there is a political slogan. Who knows? That might be my political slogan when I run for school board, which won't happen. Only dummies pay for high taxes. (laughs) Only dummies vote for high taxes. Yikes. Okay, it continues. It says, uh, let's see, uh, okay, sorry. It also says Edgewood, which is another school district in, in Butler County here. It says Ross Edgewood School District's voters face levy votes in May. Here's, what's, here's what to know. Anyway, it continues. It says the school system, which and we're talking about Ross again, which after two consecutive tax defeats last year has fallen into the fiscal caution stage as determined by the state. Is facing the prospect of slicing millions of dollars in, in employees and student programs for the next two school years should voters again reject a proposed property tax increase. Yes. Do it. Do it. Because again, as you heard me say at the beginning of this, when school board members start whining and whining and whining because they don't know how to do their job and they aren't cutting people, because that's, that's what their job is. Their job is to balance the budget. That's really it, as you've heard me say. That's their, that's their only job, and they can't even do that. that. They don't want to do that because they don't want the blame, so they start to expose themselves to state officials, which the state knows that this is the game that they play, and then the state looks at them and says, do your job. And they go, well, we're trying, but we're looking for some help. And we'll... And the state goes, oh, you want help? Okay, we'll help you fire all these people and get rid of all these programs. And then what? And then they go, okay, if you say so. And then they play dumb. And then they go back to the public. And that's, that's what they feed them. That's the line they feed them. The state told us to do it. Derp, derp, derp. We don't know what we're doing. It's their only job. Their only job is to hire and fire. Is to cut and slash. That's it. But they don't have the stones. They just don't have the stones to do it. The superintendent of Ross said the following quote, we requested the audit due to our financial situation. Unquote. Ross Superintendent Chad Ronkel. Chad Ronkel's a moron. Because when you request help from the state, you're telling the state you're morons. It's that simple. It says, among the Ohio Auditor's major budget cutting recommendations in its report released Thursday was the elimination of four teaching positions, two art teachers, 1.5 student counselor positions, one curriculum specialist, and half of a library staff position. I don't know how you cut half a person, but whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. It continues, it says, Moreover, one central office administrator and one school building administrator's position are also recommended for elimination. Yes. See, these people have no idea that you can do more with less, in particular if you're a well oiled machine. You don't need a counselor for every single student. You don't need 12 administrators in a building. You don't need that. Remember the days when there would just be one school principal, one vice principal, one head secretary, maybe one or two counselors, a school nurse, and then that was about it. That made up the the entire population of the main office of a school, regardless of size. Not now. Not now. Now they use the numbers of students who are in a building to rationalize their hiring of a, of more counselors and more administrators and these people make money hand over fist a school teacher will never see the salary of what an administrator or a counselor makes they'll never touch it which again is one of the reasons why people become administrators and counselors they do it because they don't like being school teachers and they're in it for the money well now they're getting cut and they're going to get cut it's amazing i love it it says these suggested budget cuts uh, combined with contracting for cheaper employee health care costs and reducing food service staffing daily total hourly pay would be accumulated to about 2 million a year in annual savings in the district's yearly 28 million operating budget according to the audit see the state is telling them how to ma- how to save money and they're going oh we don't want to do that <laughs> you don't have a choice And if they can't figure it out for themselves without the state telling them, ladies and gentlemen, that proves an entire school district's incompetence. It says, but state auditors cautioned these tier one recommendations done alone will not return Ross schools to solvency. Quote, the district's current financial condition is such that implementation of tier one recommendations would not resolve the projected deficit fund balanced in the most recent five-year operating budget forecast, wrote auditor officials. In echoing state auditors, Ross officials have previously stated numerous times only the approval of additional local tax revenues will allow the district to escape further sinking into more invasive state control, which would entail state officials, not local school leaders, deciding on future deeper personnel and program cuts. Yes, I love it. I absolutely love it because that's going to happen here at the local level for the district where I live, and I can't wait because when this when the state shows up, ladies and gentlemen, they clean house. They fire the treasurer, the superintendent. They might buy them out of their contract, sometimes not, because there's usually a clause in there that says if the state gets involved. We're cutting you all loose, regardless of your contracts, And they'll even replace the entire school board immediately. And then they insert their own people. They have their own school board meetings with all the old fossils gone. And then they shore everything up. And this is where, I'm telling you what, this is where it's going to get pay-per-view, interesting fun. You can't wait to hear one of two reactions. Parents will either scream at the top of their lungs when state officials come in and clean house, or they'll be so scared of these new state officials that they won't say a word. All they'll do is show up with angry looks on their faces and, and, oh, you're cutting our SEL program and our DEI program and our CRT this, CRT that, blah, blah, blah. And they'll just have mean looks on their faces because they know that there's nothing that they can do. There isn't anything they can say at the microphone that will save them. There's nothing they can do. I can't wait for that. That's entertainment, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll play it. I'll play it on this show. It continues. It says, last year, Ross cut $1.8 million from its budget in trying to cover its projected financial shortfalls. Student, athletic, and other extracurricular fees have jumped from $150 in the 2021-22 school year to $825 this school year. Again, why are we playing bread and circus for that amount of money? It says other financial reductions for next school year may include reducing busing and elimination of art, music, and physical education classes as well as advanced college placement courses. If voters again reject a tax hike, school officials have said, Good, do it. Do it. Timmy and Sally can learn to draw at home. Timmy and Sally can learn to play a music instrument at home. Timmy and Sally can do a push up and a sit up at home. And college placement courses, ladies and gentlemen, are by and large a waste of time. It's a waste of time. In fact, college placement courses, have always been a money scheme it's always been about money and just the illusion of an individual being smarter or the illusion of an individual uh you know advancing themselves intellectually it's a it's a scheme the whole thing has always been a scheme and then of course that scheme has to carry over into the college and university level, which of course allows people to graduate faster from colleges and universities because They've played the game. So I love it. I absolutely love it. This wraps up here. It says in March, in a March 9th letter from the superintendent of this Ross School District, thanking Ohio auditor Keith Faber for his performance audit, the superintendent stated, quote, the audit will provide us with a template for future decisions that impact our school district and community. This audit process is providing our district with a third-party, objective perspective of our operations and finances, he wrote. The superintendent and other Ross officials declined to comment on the just-released audit, but he said it will be a part of the public presentation during the April 12th Ross Board of Education Work Session meeting to be held at 6 p.m. at Ross High School, unquote. I love it. They're finished. They're finished. The curricular lies, everybody walking off the cliff at the same time hand in hand, the COVID lies, the jab lies, the bioweapon, all of it, it's all crumbling to the ground. And ladies and gentlemen, that right there again is the framework, the blueprint, and the foundation of what is going to happen to countless other schools all across the United States because it's already happening. That's the end of American K-12 brick-and-mortar education as you know it. They're losing all of those BS programs and those BS positions because of everything that they themselves have done. I love it. And only a fool, uh, and I mean this, only a fool working within those districts would ever even consider bringing those very programs back That made them insolvent in the first place. If for some reason they ended up with money down the line, all they would be doing is wasting it yet again. This is how financially stupid these people are. It's amazing. Okay. Moving on, more education stuff. Uh, Let's see. Pennsylvania school district silent on masked woman armed with a rifle having a mental health episode outside of elementary school earlier this month. That was from Pennsylvania. No one covered it except for Gateway Pundit. Don't care. Little late. Doesn't matter. I also find this funny. Notice how with the Nashville thing, that very day and the day after, all kinds of fake calls went into all kinds of school districts all across the United States, and everybody was on lockdown. That was happening all over the nation. Well, we got a phone call that there was going to be a shooter. We got a phone call and it was a bomb scare. We got a phone call. We got a phone call that somebody was going to get hurt, and blah, blah, blah. And they all reacted to it. They all reacted to it, just like they're all reacting to this Nashville thing. Not a single person is curious as to what's really going on. But that's not true, ladies and gentlemen, among the parental population that certainly listen to this show, and God bless each and every one of you. Let me read this email. In fact, I received two in the last few days from a couple of listeners, both of which were talking about homeschooling with their their significant others or former significant others regarding their children. And I, I just wanted to read this one because, again, this email made my day. It made my day, and, and they all make my day, by the way, but this one, I mean, this right here is exactly why I do what I do. This is this is the point. They said the following, and they know who they are, and thank you for sending it. They said, quote, lots of discussion at home yesterday about homeschool. This was after the Nashville thing. It says, I've never had buy-in from my wife, but it's starting to sink in. Our school district had a lockdown after the shooting threat, complete with police walking around with rifles and kids barricading themselves in rooms with chairs and desks. I saw the videos the kids posted on social media. My oldest is a ninth grade honor student, and just blurted out quote, "Well, I can teach myself and then teach my younger sister." Unquote. I used your quote about how if you can read and write, you can teach yourself. My wife just emailed me back and is willing to talk about it more. Have a good weekend. Unquote. That's it. That's it. And see, here's the thing. That used to be the way it always was. It used to always be that way. Among all families across America and in foreign countries. This is the way. We have to walk away from government. We have to walk away from these institutions that are programming your children into getting used to watching armed police officers walk around with rifles and bulletproof glass and fire alarms and Resource officers and metal detectors and blah, blah, blah. All of it. They're trying to normalize all of it. Armed cars. uh, You know, metal armed vehicles. Or armored vehicles, I should say. On on K-12 campuses or even college and university campuses. It's ludicrous. They're insane asylums. That's what they are. I love it. So again, I ended up emailing this individual back, I thanked them, and then I sent them a PDF, the same PDF that's on my website under the Education Documents tab on the main page, and then it's the once you click on that, it's the very first link that is available. I recommend you download that if you're considering homeschooling. Again, I got another email from another parent, same thing, they said the same thing. They said they listen to my show on the job. Uh, their child lives a few hours away from them. Regarding the, uh, the shared custody, I think of of their divorced spouse, and they're both communicating and considering homeschooling. Absolutely, abeka.com. You see, learning is not from bell to bell. Learning is a lifelong thing that you always get better at, and If you teach them the truth and you tell them the horrific truths about things, then they'll get curious and their eyes will get real big. And they'll look at you like, what? Nashville didn't happen? That's what you're telling me? It was fake? And the look on their face, that's where they start learning. And that's where they won't want to put it down, which means you're raising a weapon a weapon of knowledge in America. And that's what we need. That's exactly what we need. We don't have that right now. We have pockets of it that are all scattered. And that's fine. And that's working. But think of what would happen if we had the collective. America would be unstoppable. We would be unstoppable as a country. There's this story too. Again, more reason to homeschool because you have a Kentucky governor who just showed everybody that he's a a raging lunatic. Washington Free Beacon. I brought this up earlier last week, uh, but like I said, the uh, Kentucky legislator and Senate have overruled the governor. Kentucky lawmakers override Democrat governor's veto of child sex change ban, which means Andy Brashear wanted it to be legal for children to get sex change operations, and of course having them use the bathrooms that they feel comfortable using in any environment no matter what. Chaos. That would have introduced complete and utter chaos. And now it's been overridden, thank God. And there's some common sense that exists. but. Again, this is a battlefield you don't want your children on. You do not want them anywhere around this. On a brighter note, there's this story too. This comes from The Blaze. Christian College President says, quote, We're not hiring people who endorse critical race theory. It says Southern Wesleyan University President Bill Barker says that the school will not hire people who support critical race theory. Quote, I made it very clear where SWU stands on critical race theory, and we made it very clear in our hiring processes, Barker told the college fix. We're not hiring people, and I've been clear since I came here, and the Board of Trustees has supported this, who endorse critical race theory. We will have the courage to let faculty or staff go if they are teaching critical race theory. Good. Good you know, maybe your enrollment will increase as a result. Because again, when colleges and universities become insolvent, and many of them already are, and as you've heard me say, Miami University is over 32 $34, 36000000 million in debt. The programs they cut are all the gender theory, queer theory, and all that crap. That's what they get rid of. As they should, which is why they're trying to unionize, because they don't want to get fired. It's ridiculous. What a chaotic scene. But this is what happens at the end. I mean, this is, this is the collapse of a fallen civilization. This is what we are watching. I love it. I love it. Let me play this now. I have a quick little piece of audio I want to play. Uh, let me see here. A little bird landed on my shoulder. and that bird was Tori Maris. I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. I voted for her and she lives in Ohio and she ran to be, what was it? Secretary of State, I think, in the last election. And she she spoke to very small crowds, but she's brutally honest. And she told everybody how corrupt Ohio is and all these Ohio politicians are, and it's no different anywhere else. And she immediately said that the second that she takes office, which of course she lost, but That the Secretary of State has the ability to get rid of every Dominion voting machine and immediately go back to hand-counted paper ballots, in the blink of an eye. That you can cancel all those contracts with the stroke of a pen, and she's right. She also said this in a recent in a recent post. She said something about Turning Point USA, which, as we know, uh, Charlie Kirk either still is or used to be the front man. For For that, yeah, I, I don't think he's the handler, he's certainly not smart enough to be a handler, but he's one of the front point guys for that that they took one point eight million give or take for some January sixth speech or January sixth event that they were either supposed to speak at or put on themselves, and they ended up not doing it, and they ended up keeping the cash now does it shock anybody that Charlie Kirk would steal money? if in fact that happened allegedly allegedly doesn't shock me not in the slightest but there's this piece of audio i want to play from charlie kirk's show which is an abomination i'm i'm shocked anybody watches uh it's on real america's voice and the charlie kirk show he needs to cut his hair by the way i mean he always looks like he just rolled out of bed after sleeping on top of his skull either cut your hair you know, and put yourself together because again, Charlie Kirk is an anomaly to me. He always has been, always will be. This guy came out of nowhere. He's never had a real job. He's probably never even cut grass. So he came out of nowhere with Jewish handlers and uh, and all of this money, and all of a sudden found himself on a stage. Isn't that weird? How that happens. You know, barking at leftists and making fun of them to their faces and ringing off uh, statistics as quickly as he possibly could to disprove people, much like Ben Shapiro, only, uh, you know, a little goofier looking, although they're both goofy, let's not kid ourselves. And uh, yeah, and now again, now he's got himself a nice comfy show on Real America's Voice where he's trying to make it sound like he's Steve Bannon like he's been around as long as Steve Bannon has or like he's some rush limbaugh character it's uh it's insulting because charlie kirk's a dope i, I know that name calling's not uh you know very flattering but let's you know it's true <laughs> it's just it's just true i've never listened to this guy uh i i just question his origins anywho here's an audio clip of him and matt gates going back and forth at each other which I found to be slightly entertaining. And uh it's about five and a half minutes long, and they're going over the parental rights bill, the so called parental rights bill, uh, regarding regarding schools and and this, that, and the other. And I gotta tell you, I'm not the biggest fan of Matt Gates, but Matt's on the right side of this argument because Charlie Kirk is all for the parental rights bill. And Matt Gates is not, and voted against it, and he's going to tell you why. So give this nice little, uh, oh, I don't know what you would even call it. It's a nice disagreement, but Matt Gates doesn't back down and makes Charlie look like a dope because, well, let's face it, at face value, he's a dope. So give this audio a listen in three, two, one.
1: You voted also against the Republican Parents' Bill of Rights. Tell us why. Because the federal government has no
2: role in education. Don't get me started on this, Charlie. I am so frustrated that we seem to be throwing the Constitution out the window and our semblance of federalism with the belief that we're going to make the United States Congress America's school board. You may like what's in the Parents' Bill of Rights now, but when Democrats take over, there's going to be you know, the right to have gender blockers delivered by the school nurse to your kid, the right for your kid to go to a place where... Gun violence isn't glorified, so any other parent that wants to coach the ball team or be a room mom that wears a Second Amendment shirt is going to be deemed a domestic terrorist. Look, what works is what we saw work from Loudoun County, Virginia to Florida to all over this country. When parents woke up to what was going on in the classroom, they went and flipped school boards. You should not have to flip the entire United States Congress over education policy. So I'm not for any bill, regardless of how well-meaning it seems. If it grows the Department of Education, I would abolish the federal Department of Education and block grant every dollar to the states. And you know what, Charlie, the last time Republicans did this, it was the no child left behind bill. and we were going to usher in this new era of accountability with a stronger department of education. And you know what it ended up doing? It ended up addicting our states and local school districts so much to the federal dollar that then they had to absorb the very delivery system of wokeism that people are now complaining about. That's why I voted no.
1: I, I agree in principle, but in reality, the department of education is here to stay in the short term. Would it make more sense to get, I mean, the bill's basically transparency, right? You have to tell parents what's being taught. If you receive that, fe- it's actually a way to use federal money to at least empower parents, right? No, I think that when you get the Congress defining any
2: feature of the relationship between school boards and parents, you have totally screwed the pooch. That is what got us into this trouble in the first place. You know when education worked really well? When it was largely done by churches and community groups, and you had the schoolhouse, and parents were directly engaged. And I grant your premise that we're not going back to that, but why is it that Republicans just accept that the Department of Education has to exist forever? If we had any Guts. We would stand with the school choice movement, which is very. Oh, I, I, I so agree. We would go I find right. all the all the mothers who want their kids out of failing schools, and we should block yeah, this. Yeah, I mean with state, and then
1: with, the voters can hold their states. With, and with Biden, it's not going to happen. The way I look at the bill, which is why I support I support it, is that it's a way to get some ammunition to the parents' party on the front lines. Is that they're getting the ammunition now? They show up to school. Well, board, no, hold on a, a second. No, it, no, 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 no. You got that wow. woman. You got that woman in Rhode Island who wasn't even allowed to see curriculum, right? That's a it's an interesting question. If you have a federalized system, shouldn't you at least then have some provisions that empower the citizen? Because we have the worst of both worlds. We have a federal we have a Massive Leviathan education system and no parents' rights, and so I guess what the spirit of the bill was trying to do. And I read it; it's, it doesn't. It, it's not like no teeth, Matt. This is not like this is not exactly you right, know. No, well, that, that's, that's hardly a defense of the bill. Well, right? no. If but it do it, something, it, let's have it actually have teeth. And by the way, but that, that's not that's are, not the point. The point is that the bill orders. exists, right? And the no. bill says that a parent should be able to see it. So if it receives federal money and you currently don't have those provisions, it's actually using the federal money to empower the parent. Well, I would suggest that there is a
2: better way to solve that problem than an action by the United States Congress. I was in the state legislature. My dad was on my local school board. What about the parent in New York? Well, the parent in New York has to fix the government there. Okay. If, I mean, that's like if you, you and I both know that's not going to happen. Really, but, that's not an acceptable outcome to say that because we don't like the way people are treated in, in blue cities and states that we're just going to throw the 10th Amendment out the window
1: and say that we're going to federalize every decision. You could make the argument this actually empowers it. I see it both ways. I mean, I get from principle, I'd love to abolish the Department of Education and all that. At the same time, you have parents, especially in blue states, that have no rights whatsoever. California, Oregon, Washington—they—they they don't have rights to look into curriculum. They don't have rights to do any of it. But that's what they
2: said about Loudoun County. They said Loudoun County was just just insufferably blue, and it would it would never. It was so blue, for even Virginia could never go red. And we saw the way that these issues can flip the political. Well, that's climate. true, but you I might believe both know, know that empower the federal government actually. Lashes us to that failure that would actually.
1: I, be, I think that's, that's be a good point, but I think also, honestly, Virginia is a lot more of a battleground state, purple than California. But I understand the spirit of it. Loudoun My, County was pretty blue. Loudoun, but I mean, state only changed because they were able to get yunkin into the into the governor's the mansion. a lot of these, they places. did. Have they actually effectuate any change is a separate issue.
2: If the Republican leadership in the House thinks that they're going to use our time here to have the federal government hire local police, rate local DAs, get involved in decisions at local school boards, they're going to have to do that without my vote. Uh, Just because we won one half of one third of the government doesn't to me mean we should abandon theories of federalism and constitutional protection, and really empowering those who make the decisions closest to the people. I think that's true populism. True populism is giving the people more access through the folks that they see at the local diner and at church on Sunday, rather than folks who are in Washington, D.C.
0: Okay. In my humble opinion, Matt Gates is right about a great deal of things, and they're both wrong on a great deal of things, and Charlie Kirk is wrong about everything. So, first of all, Matt Gates is right when it comes to government intervention on these kinds of issues is always a slippery slope, and it will never work out in the long run. It will always be weaponized at the local level, just like the Federal Department of Education has been weaponized, regardless of who takes the side. Charlie Kirk is wrong when he says, let's face it, uh, we're not going to get rid of the Department of Education. It's here to stay. I would love to see it go, but it's here to stay. He's wrong about that. It can go away, but people at the local level have to be ready for the blowback and the infiltration that will exist once it goes away. That has to happen. And I disagree with them both when they also consistently say, let's face it, we're not going back to one-room schoolhouses and this, that, and the other, and church, schools, and whatever. Nonsense. It's already happening, gentlemen. It's already happening. And every single thing that they were bringing up, ladies and gentlemen, was government. Who out there in education doesn't have to worry about government intervention? The homeschooling family. Again, the homeschooling family is laughing when they hear these two idiots go back and forth about this particular government issue. In particular, Charlie Kirk. Again, Gates is right that it is a slippery slope, and when you get government intervention, uh, it's it's never going to work out, short term or long term. It's typically never going to work out, and if parties change for one reason or another, it's game over. But Charlie Kirk's dead wrong when he says look that parent in new york doesn't have a chance they're always going to be you know under uh under the shackles so to speak of this that or the other that's not true that's not true they can homeschool any they want they're just stuck in the matrix and they don't know how to do it and they have a child who's old enough to read and write and they have no idea this is a big deal too from a literacy standpoint they have no idea how fast their, chi- their child will increase their literacy and their comprehension and their spelling and all of it when you get the school system out of the way. If, you ha- if a child had two weeks of online instruction through a Beka.com, reading a nonfiction book, and being on very serious social media platforms like Gab, for example, or Telegram, and a lot of the groups that exist on Telegram regarding homeschooling, their curiosity would go through the roof, and their literacy would immediately follow, and their comprehension would immediately follow. All of that, there's a phrase I'm looking for, it's an old saying, uh, Darn it! It's lost. It's I, I can't find it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one thing Lee always pulls the other along with it. Uh, you know that's the that's the whole point here. That's the entire point. That's what that's what goes on with this. But but you have to get government out of the way because government is always the hurdle. It's always the brick wall, and it's constantly in the way. What the people don't know is is that you have a sledgehammer. And you can use it against that brick wall and get the brick wall out of the way. And when people do that, the success of your child is, is you know, sky's the limit on that. Sky's the limit. So they're both wrong. Matt Gates is right about a few things regarding, again, big government being a problem. He's right. It is. That, that's not something that government needs to ever get involved in. And it, it makes perfect sense as to why he voted against it. So I know I said in a previous episode, you know, these are the 60 people who voted against it. These people are bad, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I take that back. I made a mistake on that. I take that back. I see I see Matt Gates's point of view on it, and it makes sense to me. Again, I'm always the homeschool advocate. You know, I, I feel terrible for what's going on. With America's youth in these school systems, with the brainwashing, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, we just have to get government out of the way completely. And I understand again the proposal of 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 that particular bill. I mean, I understand it, uh, you know, at it, at it, it basic face value. But it's too slippery of a slope. And as you heard him say, if parties switch hands, which I don't see that happening in the future, but if parties were to ever switch hands. Forget it. Not to mention, you have local individuals who don't follow the law anyway. So what makes Charlie Kirk think that this would be an arrow in the quiver of a parent in New York City? He's kidding himself. He's kidding himself if he thinks that a parent is going to look up this bill, which would have become a law had it actually passed. And, uh, and and walked up to a school board and said, you're breaking the law. You have to show me what you're teaching. And they'd be like, whatever, F you. I don't have to show you anything. Just because something comes down, just because a law comes from government, doesn't mean local officials are going to follow it. Okay, shifting gears here. Jab-related stuff. And there's a great deal. First of all, this comes from Reuters, of all places. The enemy, to say the least, funded by the Rothschilds. Uh, It is titled, and this was back on March 11th, so get a load of this. It says, Exclusive WHO says it advised Ukraine to destroy pathogens in health labs to prevent disease spread. Interesting. It's an open admission that Ukraine had bioweapons labs, and it's Reuters, of all outlets, that is openly admitting that. So... Wrap your head around that one. Uh it's also been proven, as this document is making the rounds. Let me see if I can pull it up here, because I know it's on my gab, that uh Anthony Fauci did in fact agree with a grant that was approved by NIH to allow for quote unquote gain of function. Peter Dadsick's name is all over this document. Um, let me see. There's no date on it from what I can tell. Uh strike that. There is. 2019. It looks like May, the m- the month of May 2019. And on this document, there's a couple of highlighted points and it says the following. Let me zoom in here real quick. It is titled State Department Clearance Snapshots for Grant Number R01A I think that's an L or an I. 110964 06. Peter Datsik is the name, institution, EcoHealth Alliance. And it's titled, the project title is Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence. Yikes. Anyway, in the research, there's a couple of highlighted points here, and it says the following uh, It says the investigators will use mice that have been genetically modified to express the human receptor for SARS-CoV-2. The investigators anticipate identifying five to six SARS-related COVs that will be tested in mice using approximately 15 to 20 mice will be performed at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. All animal work will be performed by trained individuals In accordance with the American Veterinary Medical Association guidelines, and the project is overseen by veterinarians. This work has also been reviewed and approved by the Investigators Institutional Animal Care and Use Committee, which, by the way, if memory serves, Albert Borla is a veterinarian, and he's the CEO of Pfizer. So there's that. It's poison. That's all. There's no bat virus, quote unquote. They kill a bat with a poison, and then they let the entire poison ferment inside of the dead bat, as you've heard me say a million times, and then they suck that out, and then they put that into a syringe to then put it into a human being. It's poison that kills something else, and then they suck up all that poison, and then they put it into a person, and then shocking. The person usually gets sick and/or dies. So, unfortunately, there's that. Also, unfortunately, I have to read this. This was sent to me by A.J. Gochick in California. You may recall that A.J. finds himself in situations, certainly by the grace of God, that uh, he's he's put in these situations to attempt to get people to stop taking these shots. And I'm shocked again that. People are not awake to the fact that even the WHO has said that no one needs boosters, in particular children. I mean, nobody needs any of these because they're all biological weapons, but even the WHO themselves has come out and said, children don't need booster shots. So here's his story. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. And I've, I've said this before on the show, if you find yourself in a situation like this, you need to do what AJ did, because he's done this before, and uh, and this is this is awful. So here's what he texted me. He said, quote, I also want to tell you about a jab-related story that I got myself involved in. I was at Walgreens two days ago in Palo Alto. A mom brought her young daughter in to get a booster shot. The daughter was about 10 years old, didn't want it. She said so. The mom said, quote, "This is just a booster. You had them before and did fine." Unquote. I had to intervene. As the mom walked over to the consulting area, "quote unquote" of the pharmacy, I cut her off and asked, "Excuse me, but are you here to give your daughter a COVID booster shot?" She paused and said, "Yes." I asked why. Her response, because she's due. I said, I wouldn't do that. Those things don't work and cause serious injuries, including death. She told me to walk away. I asked her, are you comfortable giving your daughter AIDS? She responds, walk away or I will call the police. I said, call the police? Question mark Why? Because I'm giving you information that you're too lazy to research? And they, pharmacy staff, are not going to tell you? She repeated, I'm going to call the police. Then I said, Haven't you heard about all the myocarditis cases in children? Again, she said, Walk away with more angry look. I said, Then go ahead and kill your child. I walked away after that. It probably didn't change anything, he said, but at least I warned her and have no regrets doing so. I would have been angry at myself had I done nothing. Unquote. He's right; he did exactly what he was supposed to do. You know, I, I I I personally have not been in that situation where I've been around a child who was about to get who was about to get jabbed. Uh, not that I can recall, anyway. As you know, I stormed the local school building and threw papers at them that was actual informed consent as they were attempting to jab adults who were walking in. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's awful. This whole thing is just awful. It's beyond awful. And these parents are dead asleep. They have no idea what's going on. The other thing they also don't understand is that All of these poisons are ultimately going to be ubiquitous in all of these shots. They're all going to be the same poison now in all of the same shots. So they go for a flu shot because they're a dummy. And they end up getting just another COVID bioweapon all over again. And they won't be the wiser. They'll be like, well, they're sick because it's flu season. It's just, uh, it's so depressing. It's so depressing. I, you know, the information is out there. It's just out there. Let me give you another taste of some of that information that's out there. This is uh, from STW, which is the Safer to Wait, Protecting Children's Health, the World Council for Health. They put out a one-page little flyer document, and it's titled, COVID-19 Vaccines in Pregnancy. What do we know? it says the following, quote, did you know, at the very top, pregnant and breastfeeding women were excluded from the vaccine trials. It says new medical products are not usually tested on pregnant women to avoid harming mothers and babies. This means there's a lack of data about the COVID vaccine's impact on pregnant women and their babies. The next bullet point, it says the vaccine trials were not complete before pregnant women were offered the vaccine. This is the current listed trial end dates are Pfizer, February 2023, Moderna, December 2022, AstraZeneca, February 2023, Johnson & Johnson, March of 2023, and Novavax, June of 2023. The ongoing data from these trials has not been shared openly. The next bullet point says Pfizer did eventually run a trial on pregnant women. It says there were just 349 participants. It ran from February 2021 to July of 2022, and the results have not been shared. The next bullet point says the vaccine ingredients have been shown to leave the injection site and concentrate in the ovaries. We don't yet know the long-term impact of this on women or their developing babies. This is a concern because baby girls are born with all the eggs in their ovaries that they will ever have during their reproductive years. The next bullet point says important safety signals are being ignored. The VAERS COVID vaccine adverse events reports include almost 5,000 miscarriages. In the UK, the Yellow Card reporting system details over 800 spontaneous abortions. These are just the ones that have been proactively reported. The UK government estimates that fewer than 10 percent of adverse drug reactions are captured. Thousands of women have reported menstrual changes following COVID vaccination. This must be fully investigated to rule out future harms. It then says informed consent is a critical part of any medical procedure. The benefits must outweigh the risks. Right now, there is a lack of data proving that COVID vaccines are safe for pregnant women and their babies. It's safer to wait, unquote. And then it says to find out more, safer to slash pregnancy and world council for dot org slash resources slash COVID-19 and pregnancy slash. Yeah. It's common sense at this point for us, but man, you hear a story like what AJ just said. That right there is how dead asleep people are. I'm going to end with this. Not an upper, but I'm going to end with this. This is a post on Great Awakening also. It was titled the following. Many vaxxed people I know struggling with with blood cell counts, it says. Quote, over the last month I've noticed a large increase in health problems from several people I know on various levels, all vaccinated. One issue I specifically I've specifically been hearing about is blood tests showing something wrong with their red white blood cells. While I'd like nothing more than to shake them and scream, It's the vaccine, quote unquote, most of them wouldn't be willing to hear it. I think there's a chance one of them might listen. But another has stated publicly he isn't interested in getting advice or counsel from anyone who isn't a medical professional. Most of the others are putting their newfound problems down to stress related, quote unquote. On top of that, my small business involves networking with many of these people. If I were to say something to the wrong person, my family and I stand to lose quite a lot. I'm not really sure how to approach these situations except to pray for the people involved, but deep down I'm afraid it's too late for them. How to to avoid being swallowed by depression? Should I muster up the courage to say something to one who might actually listen? It's a tough one. This is the tough balance. I've always thought that honesty is the best policy. Tell the truth no matter what. If they walk away, they're going to find out the hard way. Just like in AJ's situation. That daughter of of that mother who is now triple jabbed and approximately 10 years old won't make it. They will end up just like the 16-year-old Zhao teenager that I mentioned at the beginning of this show. Maybe then the mother will figure out what they've done, and that's going to be impossible to live with, because the face that that mother is going to have is going to be AJ's face warning her before she did it. And I'm telling you that that right there is is really a mental and emotional health aspect that is going to have far-reaching implications. Going forward in our society. The people who have done this to themselves and the people who have done this to their own children, only to find out the hard way. And they will find out. The cognitive dissonance, as we know, will kick in with many, and it already has, but there's already plenty who who know fully well that it's vaccine-oriented, and the vaccine is responsible, and they themselves are already blaming themselves, and let's not, you know, let's not dodge the seriousness of this we can assume that parents have already killed themselves because they recognize what they've already done to their own children that that had to have happened that that has happened i'm certain of it it would be mathematically impossible not advocating for that of course but that is that is an unfortunate consequence of this war that we are in and that's that's what's going on so if we find ourselves in a situation where We can tell people no, and at the very least, throw the question in to get them to think about it. Even if it's just for the blink of an eye, I think we have to do it. I think we have to do it. Because ultimately, in the end, these people are going to take themselves out one way or another, either, again, with these bioweapons that they're taking profusely, or they're going to do it another way. And it is Holy Week, after all. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't forget that. It is Holy Week. So happy Palm Sunday. Monday, Jesus clears the temple, starts whipping people and flipping tables. Love that part. And it just continues. And it's going to be a very, very interesting Holy Week, no doubt about it. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, again, stay tuned for Tuesday's bonus video episode of a drone footage rundown of East Palestine. And I'll tell you what, again, the drone footage is incredible. And Josiah will be joining us for that. And I will be back on Wednesday, and there will also be one on Friday throughout the course of the week. But there will not be an episode the Monday after Easter. I'm leaving town for the weekend, and and there won't be an episode next Monday. So just a heads up on that. So stay tuned for Tuesday's episode, and I will catch you then. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.